Welcome, informed foodie. This is Di Wilkinson, nutritionist. I earned my degree at UC Davis in dietetics and nutrition. And today I wanted to talk a lot about cholesterol and how it increases your risk of heart attack and stroke. We're going to be looking at cholesterol, exactly what it is, how we use it, where it comes from, and the fact that our body actually does make our own cholesterol. You probably synthesize enough cholesterol in your liver and in your small intestine to take care of all your needs. This is called the intrinsic level, and the amount of cholesterol you synthesize does respond a little bit to the amount of cholesterol that you ingest. Okay, well, we do need cholesterol. It sounds like such a terrible word, but every cell in our body has some cholesterol in it. Cholesterol is in our cell membranes. It helps with the gatekeeping of sodium and different ions that go in and out of cells. It's kind of what separates us from the plants. They have cell walls, and our cell membranes are permeable. So aside from having cholesterol in every cell membrane we have, we also use it to make and store essential vitamins, for example, vitamin D. It also supports our central nervous system, and digestive enzymes are produced from cholesterol. Okay, I listened to a podcast about cholesterol, and anytime you hear any type of new health finding or commentary on nutrition, food, and disease, you need to listen to the data that's presented. This particular podcast talked about diets in the 1800s and early 1900s and compared heart attack or different disease and risk factors associated with cholesterol based on today's diet and the number of people that have heart attacks. So an example of the data comparison would be that in the 1800s and early 1900s, we don't know how many people died exactly from heart disease or stroke specifically. I don't think there was a lot of data collected on that. Nobody was taking their blood cholesterol and the life expectancy is not the same as today. There's really not a lot of diagnostic tests that were occurring for all the diseases we are now aware of. Antibiotics didn't quite come on the scene until 1928. So we're not sure the cause of death for most of the people who didn't necessarily pass in a hospital or under a doctor's care. There's other factors that make time comparisons very difficult. Nobody was writing down their diet. We're not sure exactly what they were eating. We don't know what type of hormones were in their food supply but we do know that there's hormones put into our meat products now. Most people in the early 1900s or 1800s had a very manual labor type of lifestyle. We were in a high technology society, so we're not sure how much their body was used or using all of that energy and calories all day long. Using up energy, fat, and sugar out of your bloodstream would alter your cholesterol level. Something else that's interesting is that before 1950, they used the Metropolitan Life Scale for insurance, and other data comparison. And in 1950, the average male was 150 pounds. Something that's changed in the last several decades is a consumption of deep fried food and the availability of fast foods. And probably the biggest factor or variable in lifestyle and diets is a lower stress life of the 1800s. They were focusing on survival in different ways than we are now, but the amount of cars, traffic, people, money, stress, Everything else going on in our life definitely has effect on our health and our heart health and a risk of heart attack. All right, let's look at the different sources of cholesterol. It's going to be in animal sources because remember, it's in animal cell membranes that we have cholesterol as little gatekeepers. So it's meat products, dairy products, eggs, egg yolk, shellfish. These are all organic sources and breast milk is pretty high in cholesterol. The other ways that our cholesterol is affected is by, so to speak, inorganic sources deep fried foods where the oil is altered when it's at a high heat 
processed meats, packaged foods, trans fats, all of these things seem to change the blood level of your cholesterol. We all know we need to avoid high cholesterol. It's called hypocholesterolemia, which definitely increases the risk of heart attack and stroke. Atherosclerosis is what occurs because it's a sticky, waxy type of substance or fat that sticks together, kind of forms clumps. If a clump breaks off, that could cause a stroke. If it collects in blood vessels that feed your heart, then your heart's not getting the energy and oxygen it needs, and it'll stop pumping. That's a heart attack. This is all called coronary heart disease, and the high level of LDL cholesterol is associated with those risks. Okay, so let's look at the different categories of cholesterol. The HDL and the LDL are probably most common. High-density lipoproteins, low-density lipoproteins, believe it or not. We also have very low-density lipoproteins, VLDLs, and IDLs, intermediate-density lipoproteins. The reason we talk in these types of terms is because cholesterol, being a fat, is not water-soluble. So the way it's transported through your body is when it's connected to a lipoprotein. Lipoprotein is water-soluble on the outside, can float in the blood and body fluids, but it's fat-soluble on the inside and connect with that cholesterol. The high-density lipoproteins have been associated with the healthy cholesterol and the LDL as the unhealthy cholesterol. The HDLs, we think they just transport that cholesterol from the bloodstream back to the liver, kind of for recycling, resynthesizing, and being used for bodily functions. The LDL is what's carrying it all around in the bloodstream. And your cholesterol usually has a ratio of these. You'll have your total cholesterol, we like to keep it under 200, and you want a higher ratio of the HDLs as opposed to the LDLs because they are directly associated with an increase of atherosclerosis or coronary heart disease. I do want to talk about how to lower cholesterol blood levels, but there is one more contributing factor that cholesterol does do. It does help produce hormones. There are certain hormones excreted by your adrenals that increase your risk of a heart attack. Your adrenals are in charge of epinephrine production, and this is associated with fight or flight syndrome. Previous to the 1800s, when men was really focused on survival, in intense crisis situations, the body was able to respond by dilating your pupils so that you can see more, by stopping your digestive system from functioning and empowering your muscles to get out of a situation by fleeing as fast as possible or fighting the perceived threat by pumping out adrenaline and epinephrine. It's really an amazing process your body has to elevate the energy available to survive in a response situation. This is your sympathetic nervous system. It increases the amount of cortisol going on in your system and really revs up any alert, your perception, response. Your body can misinterpret crisis situations based on input the brain receives in our modern day based on timelines, phone calls, traffic pressure, deadlines, the many facets that our lives are involved in that creates pressure on our brain. A continued elevation of this epinephrine and cortisol can not only increase your weight gain, because of a hyper-efficient use of calories and stored fats, but your metabolism goes on hyper-reserve, so the energy is waiting to be used for your crisis situation. Your blood pressure increases, and this increases your risk of heart attack and increases your risk of stroke if your body perceives it's in an ongoing stressful situation. So dealing with cholesterol is going to be a lifestyle change. We're going to look at the diet in a moment, but addressing your stress levels is going to reduce your heart attack risk, stroke risk, not to mention your mood, your coping strategies, your weight gain, and how fun you are just to be around. 
So first of all, we're just going to look at the food that can lower your cholesterol. This is a really non-invasive way to take the first steps in getting your cholesterol under the 200 level mark. Just remember that most foods that are high in cholesterol are also high in saturated fats. I talked a lot about all the different types of fats in episode number seven if you want to check that out. But they have noticed that trans fats, processed meats, deep fried foods, it doesn't matter what type of oil is used, processed packaged foods, hydrogenated oils, saturated fats, this type of eating, which is usually in fast food or food that is quickly ready and available for you, tends to increase your cholesterol level. And sometimes we need food that is quick and ready, but if you have a very stressful lifestyle, those are the types of food you tend to grab first. They need the least amount of prep. So addressing your lifestyle change can really increase your quality of life and your longevity. All right, so a lowered cholesterol diet helps with about 40% of folks. The reason that it's not effective for everyone is because you have an intrinsic level of cholesterol production in your liver and your small intestine. I have a client with a Japanese descent and the intrinsic level of cholesterol is over 200 and this is even after a period of extremely low cholesterol food intake and an elevated amount of exercise more than five to eight hours a week and the cholesterol level didn't change too much. So this is when you would meet with your doctor and the doctor could talk about other invasive types of mechanisms, for example, taking statins. Statins are very interesting because your body goes through a 37-step process to produce cholesterol, and the statins kind of jump in and interrupt up through step 18 of cholesterol synthesis, and they seem to be effective. However, anytime you're taking any type of invasive therapy, there are going to be side effects. Your doctor would be the best person to talk about how cholesterol medications could work for you. So if you're watching your intake, less than 7% of your total fat intake should be saturated fats at all. Soluble fibers have seemed to help, which is really interesting because fiber comes from plants which have cell walls, but they do excrete phytosterols. And phytosterols compete with cholesterol for absorption sites. So increasing your amount of soluble fiber can help in your diet. Beans, whole grains, a lot of avocados, bananas, Brussels sprouts, apples, berries, all high fiber foods are going to help with your goals. Another very big area of prevention is exercise. There are so many other benefits of exercise you can hear about in episode number five, but it helps lower your stress level, lowers your body weight, and lowers the amount of cholesterol in your bloodstream because your muscles are using up that energy that's available floating around. When we're talking about your risk of heart attack or protecting your heart, we're looking at a multitude of factors. In many cases, they're all correlational or symptomatic that a high number of heart patients carry these same types of traits. It may or may not be beneficial when doctors directly address these altered levels, but there are so many things that increase your risk of a heart attack. Your body weight, smoking, a high-stress life, diabetes, blood pressure doesn't cause a heart attack. It just indicates how hard your heart is working with each beat or rest period. Some people with high cholesterol levels have lived for a long time, and there's also the author of the book, Running, Mr. Fix, that died of a heart attack. So genetics and DNA also has a lot to do with it, and those are factors we can't change. If you have a high sensitivity to C-reactive proteins, that could be an issue. Homocysteine is another indicator. Your levels of fibrinogen, as well as your age, and the ratios of your HDL and LDL and total cholesterol. So in other words, having high cholesterol is not a death sentence. It needs to be addressed with your doctor to keep your cardiovascular system healthy. Probably the best thing you can do is watch your weight and try to exercise. 
Each day that you get in an exercise routine is a plus. It's very difficult not to add this on as another stressor in your life, and I don't want you to do that. I just want you to be really proud of yourself. Anytime you can get out for a minimum of 20 minutes, try to walk, breathe the air, and know you're doing your body right. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll chat again next week.